As you can see, we are, we're studying about the tabernacle in the wilderness, and we have made our way all the way up to the veil, and we'll do some pictures and so on a little bit later, so I'll not take time to kind of walk you up to that point. But I'm going to read from Exodus 26 and verses 31, 32, and 33, if you'd like to join me with your Bible. Um, and thou shalt make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet, and fine twined linen of cunning work. With cherubims shall it be made. The veil was a huge piece of linen that was approximately 15 feet long and 15 feet high. And it was the dividing wall, if you will, made of fabric between the regular place where the priests did their work and the place where the Shekinah power of God descended occasionally. So it was very important that it, that it show people the division, that it represent God in a, in, a, in, a, in a fitting way, and it was designed with beautiful, uh, cunning work, needlework. Can you imagine doing, have you ever done a little needlework? You know, a little thing here, and it's kind of hard to finish a little project like that. Can you imagine 15 by 15? How much time, how much effort, how much patience, how much skill that would take? And thou shalt, I mean, okay. And thou shalt make a veil of blue, read this again, and purple and scarlet, and fine twined linen of cunning work. With cherubims shall it be made. And thou shalt hang it upon four pillars of acacia wood, of shittim wood, overlaid with gold. Their hooks shall be of gold upon the four sockets of silver. So in other words, here you, and we're going to use the room here to represent the holy place and the holiest of holies. And so imagine, if you will, right here being the place of the curtain. And we're going to have a little depiction here in a few moments. But in this place where a 15-foot curtain would go, you have four pillars, one here, one here, one here, and the last one about 15 feet away, and that curtain hung on those four pillars, 15 feet high. So when the priests came into the holy place, and they worked and they saw the various things, they saw this beautiful work of art that kept them out of the presence of God, that separated them from the Shekinah power of God. We'll keep reading here. Verse 33. And thou shalt hang, it upon, hang upon the veil under the patches that thou mayest bring in thither within the veil the ark of the testimony. And the veil shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy. Now there's some interesting wording there that we need to really catch here. Verse 33. And the veil shall divide unto, what? Unto you. This veil was a divider for mankind. It was not a divider for God. God's not limited. God's presence is everywhere. And while man couldn't see through the veil, God could see what was on the other side of the veil. But God chose to put a veil up as a symbol of the separation between him and mankind because of sin. So let's move on here. I wanted to read those verses to get started. Lord willing, this is all going to work just right. Okay, the God-to-man connection. The Lord has always had a desire and a plan to be able to commune with man. This whole business of the separation, this, this business of the curtain, the separation was not God's original plan. 
before sin entered into the Garden of Eden, communion with God was as simple as walking and talking with Him. It was a daily communion. There was not a division. There was not a separation. There was a division in that Adam and Eve were humans and God was a spirit, but yet they were able to be together. And I'm not quite sure how that worked, but there wasn't this division. And we understand that the sin itself was what caused that division. And God wanted to correct it. God couldn't stand the fact that there was a separation. Now, sin separated man, God and man. That's something that we have to understand today. Even today, we are separated from God by sin. And when we sin, the Lord is waiting for us to take care of it. He's done his part. He can't do our part for us. When I started to prepare this lesson here, I'll be, I'll be very candid. You know, I'm talking about how we can get close to God and how we can remove the division between us and God and how we can please God. And I, I am feeling such conviction because who am I to say this is how you do it? Who am I to say I have, a, you know, I have perfect communion with God? I don't have perfect communion with God. And I'm starting to say, saying, God, I have absolutely no right to teach this. Have you ever felt like that? Say, like, God, why would you use me? I, I, I don't communion with you like I need to. And I'm supposed to be talking about communion? I'm supposed to be talking about some kind of one connection here? <laughs> and it's like the Lord spoke to me and said, no. What are, you, what are you teaching about here? Teaching about the whole tabernacle plan, about how if you start at the outside and you come to the altar of sacrifice, you have a right to walk your way all the way into my presence. It was like, okay, God, I'm going to do that. And I backed up to the altar. I'm trying to, here I am trying to work on this thing here next to the presence of God in teaching and preparing. And it's like, God, I have no right to be here. But it's like backing back out to the altar of sacrifice, the altar, the brazen altar, the altar of remission of sins, if you will. And I say, God, forgive me. I am a wretched sinner. And I felt a peace. And I felt a reassurance. And you feel that cleansing that comes from the washing. I'm standing at the laver of water, if you can imagine with me now, which represents baptism. And you feel the cleansing that comes from the reading of the word. And through those things, we have access. We have a right to go past that first little doorway, that first entryway into the holy place to start to deal with the things that are given to God's worship. We're not just talking about old theory here. We're talking about the plan of salvation. We're not just talking about something happened in the Old Testament that has nothing to do with us today. It has everything to do with us today because it was God's object lesson to get us to understand how it relates to us today. We've said that over and over again, but we really have to get that because when people say to you, why in the world do we even have the Old Testament? We don't sacrifice today. Do we have to sacrifice? No, we don't have to sacrifice today. But that's in there because that was a schoolmaster. That was book one. We need to go to book two to understand how we can build on book one on the Old Testament and New Testament. So God built a separation. But we, oh, getting ahead of myself. Okay, I need to back up. No, I won't back up. We, there was a separation in the Garden of Eden. He said, get out. I'm still probably getting ahead of myself. Sin separated God and man. 
So he drove out the man and he placed at the, now I cut that from the internet, but that should be the east of the Garden of Eden, cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So God said, sin separated you, get out of here. He put up a wall of flaming swords. You ever felt like your sin was like a flaming sword? It was like, there's no way I can get past that. How can I possibly ever be forgiven? We've all felt that. But God had a plan. Even today, now catch this. If you don't get much more of what I talk about today, catch these things right here. Even today, sin separates us from God. It takes the work of both God and man to pull down the separations that are between us. Now imagine, if you will, two neighbors that can't get along, and they're so mad at each other that one builds a wall. And that's not enough, so the other guy builds a wall right next to it. There's two fences side by side. And for some reason, one neighbor says, you know, this is stupid. I want to have friendship. And the one neighbor, if you will, takes down his wall. He's done his part, but there's still a wall that's up. That's a perfect picture of you and I. God had a wall of separation, but we can build our own wall of separation. It's just like we heard last Sunday morning with the missionary. And, you know, he was talking about how we have to remove the, the barriers and we have to allow the Lord to come to us and so on. And, and, and God will do his part of removing the barrier, but I can put up my own wall. We do that. We put up our own barriers. You can get away, God. Stay away, God. I don't know what you hear. And that's kind of that picture of the Lord standing at the door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's the wall that we build. But that's the wall that we can take down. God built a separation, but we can also build walls that separate us from God. The veil was a literal and figurative separation between God and man. The priests could enter into the holy place to carry out the religious duties, but not into the place of communion with God in the holiest of holies, except for the high priest once a year. We've heard that. But now run the odds. What's the odd of a typical Jew being able to go into the presence of God? Okay, if, if there was three to five million Jews, let's just say there was three million Jews. And of those three million Jews, there's only one day out of all those three million people's days, if you will. So three million times 365. You have one time for one person out of three million times 365 days. You understand what I'm saying? The odds are astronomically high that you wouldn't be able to go ever to commune with God. The average priest could only see that veil that symbolized the glory and presence of God. Now here's a picture of inside the tabernacle. I don't know how well you can see it. And this isn't to scale, which is a little frustrating to me, but yet it helps kind of visualize what's happening there. On the left, now first of all, on the left-hand side is, you can see a curtain here. This is not the veil that we're talking about today. The veil we're talking about today is this one right here that we're looking straight on. But there was a curtain here, an entrance into the holy place. And in the holy place, the candlesticks and the showbread and the altar of incense. This was 15 feet tall, so six or so times, that's probably about right. But back here, this was supposed to be 30, roughly 30 feet long. This is about 15 feet long here. And so it's got it taller than it is wide. It's kind of a small point, but it was a cube. This was a cube, 15 by 15 by 15. 
And that's where the Shekinah presence would come down into. But when the priest did his thing, all he could see was this veil, like we had talked about. That was the limit. That was the extent. But that's kind of a good visualization of what's happening there inside the tabernacle. Here's a person, an artist's picture, and you can't see it very well, of maybe what the veil looked like, the curtain looked like. Pictures of, it was probably, I wouldn't call that cunning work. I would call that kind of lame art. <laughs> All due respect. <laughs> uh, I would imagine that it was spectacular, cunning work, which would be the best of the best artist, the best of the best creativity, depicting cherubims, or cherubim, depending on your grammar there. Um, but there were colors of royalty, colors of kingship, colors of, of death, really, built into that. Curtains of separation. There actually were several curtains of separation. We're talking about separation today. Yeah, there was a curtain that was around the whole tabernacle, um, not just the building, but around the whole, the fence, if you will, around the whole thing. That was a curtain. That was a, that was a separation. There was a curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. I just pointed that out, the one to the left in that last picture. There was a curtain of sorts that covered the whole framework of the tabernacle. The tabernacle technically, well, the building, if you will, inside, had hard walls made of wood. And they were boards of wood that were stood up side by side. So inside you had a hard wall made of wood. And these boards that were side by side, they had holes drilled through them, and they would run a rod through them so they'd all be held up together. Otherwise they'd be tippy like this. But the rod went through them and held them up. So they had something they could take the rod out, and they can lay the boards down, then they can move everything to the new location. So it was a tent, but it had hard wood covered with gold walls on the inside. And you saw that in that last picture. But the top was not made out of wood. It wasn't made out of gold. It was a tent top. And that was multiple layers. Beautiful on the inside and pretty common on the outside with just generic fur on the outside. So that outside covering, what people saw from the outside, was another symbol of a curtain, a separation. Then the veil, the curtain of the veil that separated man from God was an inside. So here we have four different types of veils, four different types of separations. You know, that outside fence kept people out. That one on the outside of the holy place kept people out. Only so many people could go in, or not every priest can go in all the time. And then the place, holiest place, and on top, you understand the picture there. Separation, separation, separation. Here's a picture of the tabernacle, as I've just described. Here's a wall on the outside, the fence, if you will. Separation. Here we have a curtain behind these poles. You probably can't see real well, but there was separation there on the outside. And then the one down the middle that you can't see here. Keeping people separate from God, and God hated every minute of it. Because that was exactly the opposite thing of what he said when he came to this earth. Jesus came to his mission statement to seek and to save that which was lost. You don't find people by staying behind a wall. you got to come out to find people. And God, in a sense, had confined himself to that 15-foot cube and couldn't come out to get people. But he had done that to make a point to people, that sin separates you from me. Now, this is an interesting point here. We, we know about the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. At daytime, there was this, this miraculous cloud that stood as a pillar 
above the tabernacle. When they moved, it would stand and it would, it would be a travel sign. You know, it was an indicator. We're going this way. One of my favorite signs, if you're driving north on 31, there's a, there's a little hole-in-the-wall restaurant. It used to be there anyway. There was a restaurant. It was a gasoline station. They had a sign pointing like this, kind of like that pillar of clouds, like, okay, we're going this way. And the sign pointing like this, and it says, eat here and get gas. I love that sign. You'll get it after a while. Um, but that, that, that sign, that was, it was like, okay, we're moving. <laughs> you guys are slow. Um, so <laughs> okay, thank you. Appreciate that. Made my day. Okay, so here's this pillar of cloud, and it's moving, and they're following it, and it's God's billboard saying, we're going this way, folks. At nighttime, that cloud didn't just disappear and leave them without um, help. There was a miraculous burning, flaming pillar that, again, was not only direction and encouragement for moving, but it was also, okay, God's there. It was God's little nightline, God's big nightlight. God's right there. And you'll see in the next picture how this, an artist visualized this. But that pointed not just off in some direction, but it was kind of pointing down, if you will, right to the holiest place. Let's read these things here. Though there were curtains of separation, everybody knew that the presence of God, or the Shekinah, dwelt in the holiest of holies. It was that place you couldn't go. But people knew it was there. And now get this, get the symbolism. There was the presence of God, and there was an indicator of the presence of God. That's the type, to me, of the Holy Ghost. We have the presence of God, but the indicator is what? Speaking in tongues. It's a miraculous indicator that something else is going on. The indicator is not God. The indicator is only something that God has chosen. That flame was not God. That pillar of cloud was not God. Just an indicator that he had chosen. Jews could only see the miraculous signs that pointed to the holies, holiest excuse me, of holies, reminding them where God dwelt. Get this last line here. They were convinced of the miracle, but they couldn't get close to the miracle worker. What comes to my mind at this point is the time when God came robed in flesh. And he's walking down the street, and the lady reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. She was convinced of the miracle, and she could get close to the miracle worker because God couldn't stand the separation that the veil created. It was not his plan to be boxed up somewhere out of touch. Here's a night view of the tabernacle. There's a pillar of fire pointing down to where God is, that holiest of holies. Everybody saw that miracle. They knew it was there, but they couldn't get down to that Ark of the Covenant. It kind of reminds me of the rainbow. What's, at the, what's, what's supposed to be at the end of a rainbow? That pot of gold, right? I have never found that one yet. But that, that kind of reminds me of that. It's like, man, it's there, but if I could only get inside there, you know, if I could only get to the end of the rainbow, if I could only get to the end of that Shekinah, or end of that, that indicator there to the Shekinah power. Everybody knew that there was a miracle, but they couldn't get to the miracle worker. 
The Ark of the Covenant was veiled when it was moved. Okay, we're, we're, we're kind of moving to a different phase here. I need four helpers. Quickly, come on up, stand. I need one right here, one there, one there, and one there. You're going to hold up the, cur the curtain. Just spread them on out, guys. This is about 15 feet long. You hold the end. You guys take it that way. Just spread out and take it on that way. Just divide yourself out. Stretch it straight. We'll, just, we'll hold it vertically. We'll hold it vertically like it's hanging down. You just catch it like, there we go. These are priests in training here, okay? Okay. Come on, Juan. We need four pillars. We need four pillars. We got it. Okay. We got one priest marching to the beat of a different drummer here. Okay. Now, since this is dividing everybody, you, you get the feeling like you're on the wrong side of the curtain here? But that's what it was. Now, imagine that curtain having beautiful embroidery of angels and uh, cherubim on it and so on. Now, I'm going to do something a little bit differently here just so that you can kind of see what's going on because right now you won't be able to see what's happening. So, guys, what I want you to do is I want you to kind of condense and put your little condensed version right down the middle right here. Just get right like that. So just kind of move here. It's going to be kind of bunched up and weird, but that's okay. And you're going to, you're going to be like this. You're going to be like that, guys. Okay, you're here. And you're right there. Pretty much shoulder to shoulder. Okay. Now, this still is kind of tough. Okay, here we have... Oops. We may or may not be able to get to all this stuff. I don't know. Hope we can. Yeah, we will. We will. We'll take time to do this. Okay. Um, what is right before in this whole... Let me back up here. I don't know if I can do this or not. You're taking too long. What's going on? Okay. What is right before the curtain? Altar of incense. And so I have this little candle thing that's going to represent that. Everybody can't see it, but that's right here. Sorry, folks. You're in the holy place. We'll get to you. Okay. <laughs> this is, okay. Don't get zapped while you're over there. But here's the altar of incense. Okay, what else is on this side? Okay, we've got a table showbread. What's, what's this candle going to represent? The golden candlestick. Okay, so now if I'm coming in here, the golden candlestick is going to be about right here. And I, Kevin, you'd be so kind. You're the golden candlestick holder. Okay, and what else do we have? Table of showbread. Sister Barks, I'd like you to come up here. <laughs> If you were here last week, you know why I'm calling her up. Hold that up. That's the table. And here's some white bread. <laughs> okay, now I don't think the Jews had white bread, but that's another story altogether. They had 12 big 10-pound loaves of bread. Okay, you're going to be about right here. Okay, now what part am I in? The holy place. Other side of the curtain is the... Holiest of holies. Why can't I get through? The curtain's in the way. Okay. Now, this is right here. What do you suppose? Ark of the Covenant. Woo. People didn't get to see this. So now when they're taking the tent down, what do you suppose they could have done, might have done, to keep this thing covered? Bingo. Okay. So I'm going to try to symbolize for you a little bit about how this is the symbol of God's miracle power. But people didn't have the right to look at this. 
So God knew that. And he had to have it covered. So we're going to move the ark. Come on, priest, cover it up. Now, they wouldn't be able to walk in like that. They could have entered from this side and just kind of drop it over. Now we can move this thing around. Now we're doing a pretty poor job of making it look pretty. Now, I don't, I'm not talking about you guys. I'm just talking about the fact that, that it's not the, the dimensions aren't there and we don't know how to do it, all that kind of stuff. But here we have a type of the body of Jesus Christ. It is the presence of God on the inside covered by something so it could be in the human world. Some people don't quite understand the whole concept of how can you have God manifest in the flesh. But this is an example of God manifest in the curtain. There's a, there's a covering here. But God was manifest in the flesh. Now some people don't understand the concept of about how this became one fused unit. Ken, you can have a seat. Thank you. And you, Kevin, you can put that down. I just kind of wanted to show you the placement there. But this concept here is how God could be in the presence of people. Now, guys, I need you to grab this curtain again real quickly. I'm going to put this art back here. We're going to finish up in the next, I've got about four minutes according to that clock. Now, I need, I need, I need, right here. Now, if you know anything about the veil and about what I've already said, God couldn't, and, I, and I'm taking a little bit of liberty to say God couldn't stand that, but I, I think I'm not too far off. Okay, I'm putting this over here. It's still here. You can't see it. 15 foot square. Okay. Now, when Jesus Christ was crucified, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, that was the time ooh, when they killed, what, what day was he killed on? It was a special Jewish holiday. It was the Day of Atonement. Part of the Passover was the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, the once a year time, a lamb was killed for the sins of Israel for the whole prior year. At the moment, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, when that lamb was being killed, Jesus died on the cross. It was not a coincidence. Jesus was saying, I'm your new lamb. I'm the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. But at the same time, guys, go back to where your original spot was, if you will. Let me get this, this back here. If you'll hold the ark out of prayer, or just, you know, kind of put it there, it's fine, so people kind of understand the process. And I don't know how well this is going to work or not, but... At the same time, at the same time that Jesus was crucified, several things took place. There was an earthquake, graves opened, people came to live out of, life out of the graves, and I don't know if I have that picture or not, but that's okay. Because when Jesus cried, he said, it is finished. Guys, you know what to do. The veil was torn from the top to the bottom. Now, here you are, you're the high priest out here. You're out in the courtyard, and you're getting ready, you're just killing that sacrificial lamb, and you hear the priest who was probably inside like that one there, probably scream in dismay. And they're wondering, what is going on in there? And he comes running out, the veil is torn in half, and it's torn from the top down. 
Now you have to understand, this tabernacle here was not the tabernacle that was in existence. Guys, you can have a seat for now. That tabernacle was, was the temporary one that they used in Old Testament history. They had a beautiful, much, much bigger, permanent tabernacle that existed in Jerusalem at the time of Jesus' death. And the veil, this is really interesting here, this veil was a piece of linen, but the veil in the tabernacle that was much bigger was much taller, probably four times the height, and it was made of multiple layers, almost laminated, but not glued together, if you will, that it was as thick as the width of your hand. The fabric layers, imagine a quilt, layers of fabric, but as thick as your hand. And it's been said that two teams of oxen pulling on that curtain could never have separated, could never have ripped it. And it wasn't torn from the bottom up, it was torn from the top down. And it's as though, it's not as though, <laughs> could I have that? Here's God behind this symbolically saying, I am tired of being separated from man. And he miraculously says, the veil is rent. I am coming out to everybody that wants to receive me. Now, I'm going to leave you with this one last point because I really probably need to stop here. And I'm going to try to back up a little bit. And this point, there's a few points I really want you to get today. And this is one of them. Come on, buddy. Went too fast. Now, if the presence, we've heard it said many times, and listen carefully, and I know we're about done, they're singing upstairs, but please give me a moment here. We've said when the veil was rent, God was available to everybody. No, that is not true. Because if God said, okay, everybody, come on in, he would have gone out the backside and he would have torn this curtain back here too, where everybody could just walk on in whoever wanted to. There was still this outside fence that was up. There was still an outer covering that was up. There was still a curtain on the front that was up. What was torn is a separation between the priesthood and the presence of God. Who's the priesthood today? You and I are priests. We're a kingdom of priests. Not everybody is a priest of God. It's the followers of God. Now, am I trying to say that God hasn't, uh, you know, his sin, he hasn't taken care of the sin problem for everybody? For everybody that believes, in order, this is a symbol of belief right here. You walk through this gate, I believe in the process. I've been repented. I've been baptized. Whoops, I'm getting him myself. I've repented. I've been baptized. I'm worshiping God. It's the people that are worshiping God who have had the separation removed. It wasn't, you understand the symbolism here? Some people say it's for everybody. There's a big movement on today saying every religion, every person, doesn't matter who they are or whether or not they believe in God is going to go to heaven. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Because if that was the case, the whole tabernacle would have just disappeared and God would have said, here I am, come to me any way you want to. It was still one way to God. Amen. We have to understand it's still God's game, if I could say it that way. He still writes the rules. and He has a process for us to gain access. It's his way. It's his process. Oh, I could keep going. i got to stop. Bow your head with me. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you have allowed us to fill your presence. And you've allowed us, Lord Jesus, to uh, entertain your spirit. 
Help us, God, to, uh, to do our part to shed this truth and, and share this truth with other people. I thank you, Jesus, that your word shows us that you love us and you care for us and you do all that you can to remove sin in between us. God, help us not to allow sin to stand in our lives. Help us not to allow division to stand between us. Help us to come to you humbly and repent and be baptized. Help us, Lord, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.